0: Section Eleven of the Shakespeare Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Davis. The Shakespeare Storybook by Mary McLeod. A Midsummer Night's Dream, Part One. Helena and Hermia playing the Lion. Theseus, Duke of Athens was to wed Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons, and the whole city was given up to merriment in honour of the occasion. Theseus had won his bride by the sword, but he was to wed her in another fashion, with pomp, with triumph, and with revelling. Four days had yet to elapse before the marriage, and during that time the citizens of Athens were to busy themselves with preparations for the great event. In the midst of the general rejoicing, a gentleman of Athens, by name Aegeus, came to invoke the authority of the duke. Full of vexation, he came to complain against his child, his daughter Hermia. Aegeus wished her to marry a certain gentleman called Demetrius, but meanwhile Hermia had already fallen in love with another gentleman called Lysander, and she declared she would marry no one but Lysander. Now, the law of Athens at that time gave full power to a father to dispose of his daughter as he chose that is to say if she declined to marry the man he selected the father had power to put her to death or to shut her up in a convent the duke of athens gave hermia four days to make her choice at the end of that time she must either consent to marry demetrius in accordance with her father's wishes or else she must retire to a convent for the rest of her days hermia answered without hesitation she would rather be shut up in a convent all her life than marry a man she did not love lysander himself pleaded that he was in every way as suitable a match as demetrius quite as well-born and equally wealthy beyond all this he was beloved of hermia why then should he not try to win her besides he added demetrius had already paid court to another lady helena and had won her heart and this sweet lady was still devoted to this fickle and unworthy man i must confess i have heard of this and i intended to speak to demetrius on the subject said the duke but being so overfull of my own affairs the matter slipped out of my mind but come demetrius and come aegeus i wish to speak to both of you in private as for you fair hermia see that you prepare to obey your father's will or else the law of athens which i have no power to alter yields you up to death or to a vow of single life the duke went off with aegeus and demetrius and hermia and lysander were left alone they were very sorry for themselves and began to lament the misfortunes and the difficulties that always seem to beset the path of true love hermia was inclined to submit without further struggle but lysander was not going to give in so easily and he hurriedly unfolded a plan to save hermia from the fate that lay before her i have a widow aunt very wealthy who has no child he said her house is seven leagues distant from athens and she treats me as her own son there gentle hermia i can marry you and in that place the sharp law of athens cannot touch us if you love me then steal from your father's house to-morrow night and i will wait for you a league outside the town in that wood where i met you once with helena gathering flowers before the dawn on the first of may my good lysander cried hermia hiding her real earnestness under half jesting words i swear to you by cupid's strongest bow by his best arrow with the golden head and by all the vows that ever men broke that i will truly meet you to-morrow in the place you have appointed keep promise love look here comes helena from their earliest days helena and hermia had been the dearest of friends and the closest of companions never apart either at work or play growing up together side by side like a double cherry or two lovely berries moulded on one stem but alas love or rather jealousy had come to thrust them apart demetrius who had first paid court to helena afterwards transferred his affection to hermia and persuaded her father aegeus to favour his suit hermia cared nothing at all for demetrius and loved no one but lysander but Helena could not forgive her friend for having taken her fickle lover from her, and now she bitterly lamented that her own charms had been powerless to retain him. "'I frowned upon Demetrius, but he loves me still,' said Hermia, for she did not wish her friend to think she had acted unfairly. "'The more I hate, the more he follows me.' "'The more I love, the more he hates me,' said Helena sadly." his folly helena is no fault of mine said hermia none your only fault is your beauty would that fault were mine sighed helena take comfort he shall see my face no more said hermia lysander and i are going to fly this place we are to meet to-morrow in that wood where you and i have so often wandered and thence we shall turn our eyes from athens to seek new friends and strange companions farewell sweet playfellow Pray for us, and good luck grant you your Demetrius. Helena's passion for Demetrius was so strong that it overpowered all other consideration, and on this occasion it made her do a very mean and disloyal action. Anxious to win back a little affection from her faithless lover, no matter at what cost, she determined to betray Hermia's secret and to go and tell Demetrius of her flight then demetrius would pursue her to-morrow night to the wood and if he rewarded helena with even a little gratitude for the information she felt her attempt would not have been in vain unknown to the lovers that same wood was chosen as a meeting-place for the following night by a very different set of people several of the petty artisans of athens anxious to celebrate the wedding in proper style had decided to perform a little play or interlude as it was called in the presence of the duke and duchess quince the carpenter was supposed to direct the proceedings of this little band of amateur actors but the ruling spirit of the company was in reality bottom the weaver bursting with self-conceit never able to keep silent a moment bottom was ready to instruct every one else in his duties and if it had only been possible for him to have played every character in the piece in addition to his own he would have been quite content as each part was mentioned and quince began to apportion them out bottom's voice was heard again and again declaring how well he could perform each one the play was to be the most lamentable comedy and the most cruel death of pyramus and thisbe and bottom was selected for pyramus the hero what is pyramus a lover or tyrant he inquired a lover that kills himself most gallantly for love answered quince that will ask some tears and the true performing of it said bottom swelling with self-importance if i do it let the audience look to their eyes the next character was thisbe the heroine and this was given to flute the bellows mender a thin lanky youth with a squeaky voice nay faith let me not play a woman i have a beard coming he said piteously that's all one you shall play it in a mask and you may speak as small as you will said quince if i hide my face let me play thisbe too cried bottom eagerly i'll speak in a monstrous little voice disney disney ah pyramus my lover dear thy thisbe dear and lady dear no no you must play pyramus and flute you thisbe said quince well proceed said bottom quince went on with his list and presently he called out the name of snug the joiner you will play the lion's part snug he said and now i hope there is the play fitted have you the lion's part written pray you if it be give it me for i am slow of study said snug modestly for he was a very meek and mild little man you may do it extempore for it is nothing but roaring said quince let me play the lion too burst in bottom i will roar that it will do any man's heart good to hear me i will roar that i will make the duke say let him roar again if you should do it too terribly you would frighten the duchess and the ladies out of their wits so they would shriek and that were enough to hang us all said quince that would hang us every mother's son agreed the rest of the little band quaking with terror i grant you friends that if you should frighten the ladies out of their wits they would have no more discretion but to hang us said bottom but i will aggravate my voice so that i will roar as gently as any sucking dove i will roar as if it were any nightingale you can play no part but pyramus said quince firmly so bottom had reluctantly to give in AND TO DEVOTE HIS ENERGIES TO DECIDING WHAT COLORED BEARD IT WOULD BE BEST TO PLAY THE IMPORTANT PART OF PYRAMUS IN. IT WAS REALLY QUITE A DIFFICULT MATTER. THERE WERE SO MANY TO CHOOSE FROM. STRAW COLOR, ORANGE tawny, PURPLE IN GRAIN, OR FRENCH CROWN, WHICH WAS PERFECT YELLOW. BUT QUINCE SAID ANY COLOR WOULD DO, OR HE MIGHT PLAY IT WITHOUT A BEARD. MASTERS, HERE ARE YOUR PARTS, HE CONCLUDED. And I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to know them by to morrow night, and meet me in the palace wood, a mile outside the town, by moonlight. There we will rehearse, for if we meet in the city, we shall be dogged with company, and our devices known. I pray you, do not fail me. End of section eleven.